You're listening to the Let's Talk Strata podcast hosted by Mark Mercier. Whether you're a tenant, lot owner, caretaker or industry professional, this podcast is for anyone connected with a body corporate or strata title. Tune in every fortnight to hear thought-provoking discussions with industry leaders and experts on topics both practical and technical that will spark your interest. Welcome again to the Let's Talk Strata podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge views from pinnacle industry experts on all things strata in Queensland. We have today a very special guest, Coralie Mott. Coralie, uh, welcome. Uh, you've got a, a very long history in strata, mm-hmm. and uh, the industry has changed a lot in that time, and you entered the industry in 1980. Now, in terms of where you've seen strata develop in all that time, what has changed? Mark, basically the complexity of, of what we do, which I guess is a reflection of the complexity of the schemes that we're dealing with. Mm. I would also say that the level of expectations from unit owners Mm. and various stakeholders has also increased. So the pressure is really on us as body corporate managers to really know our stuff. Mm. And I think the key thing with body corporate management or managers is experience. We're more or less learning on a daily basis. So having good mentors is now more critical than ever before Mm. because there are issues arising all the time and getting back to the complexity of buildings, some of the issues that do arise are quite complicated and having easy access to excellent resources is Mm. paramount. And, of course, you run CTS Management, uh, Body Corporate Management Company. Yes, that's What's been your experience in operating your own company in that field and seeing the changes within Strata over those years? Mm-hmm. Well, when I first set up my first business yeah. in 1992, we primarily relied on phone calls and faxes for communicating with our unit owners and of course Australia Post. They were the three main main methods of communication. So the pace of that communication was considerably lower than it is in this day and age. Whilst emails have lots of positives, they also have many negatives. And I think the main negative comes back to the level of expectations Mm. from uh, unit owners in terms of them expecting a response and an answer the same day. Yeah, it's a very immediate way of communicating, isn't it? It is, it is. So, yes, just the general pace and pressure in the office has definitely increased, just in terms of all sorts of operations on a daily Mm. basis. And how have you managed that expectation of lot owners and even suppliers, contractors Mm -hmm. as well, who Mm -hmm. expect uh, a fairly immediate, incisive uh, return uh, to their query. Yes, absolutely. Well, there again, even with suppliers in this day and age, 
quite a few suppliers or contractors mm. expect payment of their invoices within a day yeah. or two of us receiving them. So what we try to do is to get a policy out right from the beginning, just stating, look, please be aware, by the time we get committee approval for those invoices to be paid and then they come through to mm. us, payment will be made within seven days. So that's sort of an average time frame and policy. So communicating policy policies and expectations is really paramount. It, it really all comes down to communication. Yeah, and there's so many rules and regulations around strata that uh not every contractor is mm -hmm. appreciative of all the processes yes. and administration and all the, mm. the resolutions that need to go behind mm -hmm. different types of expenditure. Mm. How do you deal with that kind of issue when you've got a contractor mm. who's expecting payment, but mm. then you've got to tell them, okay, there's mm. a process behind mm -hmm. it? Well, there again, just upfront communication. Right. If it's a major project involving major expense mm. uh, that ne necessitates a general meeting, we would uh, hire highlight that to the contractor and say, look, it's got to go to a general meeting, so you're looking at at least three to four weeks straight away, and just communicating that time frame and just, yes, somehow delivering that a certain level of expectation and understanding. And you've spoken about uh, how modes of communication have changed and nowadays mm. we've got technology that mm -hmm, comes in mm -hmm. and uh, makes things a lot more immediate, uh, more interactive. Mm -hmm. What kinds of impact do you see that having on managers themselves moving forwards and trying to grapple with the technological advancements? It's certainly ongoing. Now more than ever you have to keep up with technological change. Yeah. You have to be at the forefront of that change. The last thing a body corporate manager wants to hear is of oh, I own a unit in another scheme and Joe mm. Bloggs, this other manager, has such and such and you're seen to be being left behind. Yeah. So you need to be well and truly at the forefront, continuously looking mm. for you know, new products on the market, new programs and so on. So yeah. need to be very proactive in that area. And of course, there's a lot of complexities around things like meeting procedure mm -hmm. and voting and yes. and even debt recovery for that matter. Yes. What's been your experience in terms of the changes and shifts in conducting meetings, for example? Mm. Well, we um, years ago, we relied more on the snail mail, Australia yeah. Post, in issuing meeting notices. Mm. Now, there's certainly um, more and more unit owners agreeing to electronic consent yeah. for receiving meeting notices and minutes and so on, whereby notices and minutes are sent out by email. And we're also relying more on websites for, you know, setting up a body corporate website yeah. and attaching key documents, uploading key documents onto that website. Yeah. So we're seeing a real change from sending out the whole meeting notice package to sending out the key required documents and then making reference to uploaded documents on a website. You might say, well, how do those owners uh, who don't rely on um, the internet and, and emails, how do they cope? Well, we still have to provide, we have to be flexible and still provide that old method of communication via Australia Post. So we're now juggling 
several balls in the air, whereas previously it was just Australia Post. Now and into the future, we're looking at electronic voting where the voting is all going to be done online. So mm. there'll be another change there as well. Yeah, and of course the legislation's always slow to uptake uh, electronic means. And yes. what we're seeing here is the obviously the legislative reforms mm-hmm. are trying to mm. keep in touch with things like Airbnb mm-hmm. and uh, all those new concepts that are starting to impinge upon community mm. living. Electronic voting is an interesting one because there's so much complex in maintaining compliance, that, Correct. Know, the voting validity and all of that. Mm. Um, what kinds of things do you find in your experience are issues that perhaps lot owners grapple with in, in terms of voting, for example? There again, I think the paperwork or the explanations that go out with meeting notices mm. is absolutely critical and fundamental. Once you have been with a scheme for a while and the unit owners are used to the material that you're sending out. Most of them don't have any issues at all. Having said that, we've recently had a case where there was quite a complicated motion, a motion with alternatives. So there were several sections to Mm. the motion and that did raise some queries from owners. All we can do in that case is just to highlight if you've got any questions, whatever, please contact us and just give the owners the necessary resources for being able to make those inquiries. Mm. You've talked about the um, increased complexity in those schemes. What kind of complexities are you finding nowadays? Well, when I established my first business in 1992, we were mainly dealing with very simple schemes consisting of, you know, six to 10 to 12 units with very simple common property. Mm. Most of them didn't even have a pool or any common property facilities. Whereas now we're dealing with layered schemes where you've got a principal scheme overshadowing are the subsidiary schemes. There may be easements involved. There may be a building management statement as well as the community management statement itself. So the documentation alone relating to these more complicated schemes has increased enormously. Mm. But then you actually have the ramifications that spin off from the bigger schemes, even high-rise buildings. In a high-rise, you've got to worry about more about workplace health and safety, fire safety, of course. That fire safety is a huge issue alone in terms of, you know, fire evacuation, fire doors and smoke alarms and so on. Whereas years ago, we didn't have any of these issues. Uh, Mm. The buildings were more a straight walk up, walk down without any lifts, way less complicated. So in those days, we were truly seen to be looking after the books and records and organising meetings. Uh, and dealing with correspondences and any sort of bylaw disputes. These days, we've moved on. Yes, we're certainly looking after the books and records and attending to our standard duties, like banking, attending to levies or unit owner payments and and so on, arranging meetings, attending meetings and so on. But we're finding with our office, we've moved more into the consultancy area, the higher level advisory service, uh, particularly for the more complicated schemes. 
where we really are way more proactive and dealing with much higher level issues on a day-to-day mm. basis. So essentially what you're saying is the role of the body corporate manager has significantly expanded in its scope, hasn't it? Definitely. And the level of expertise that's expected of mm-hmm. a manager is, is mm. quite significant. It is. across a lot of legislation. A lot of different pieces of legislation, yeah. you know, fire safety, workplace health and safety, asbestos, and of course the recent one, building cladding. The cladding is a big one, isn't it? It is a big one. And of course, that legislation alone has a very set deadline for registering any relevant buildings that do fall into the three categories. So all body corporate managers need to be aware of deadlines and such requirements. And that's just in relation to one particular piece of legislation. One small facet. One very small facet. Then of course, with um, issues relating to fire safety, that's ongoing and you have three monthly, six monthly, 12 monthly reporting that needs to be done. So I guess, Particularly, we have found with the likes of a high-rise building where the building manager or caretaker is struggling a bit in terms of their understanding of their duties or whatever, the committees have looked to us to provide more support in terms of the documentation and checklists and so on, um, at least encouraging the building manager to go to a particular service contractor because we're certainly not experts Mm. in fire safety or whatever but we would put them in touch with a certain contractor and encourage them to seek Mm. assistance. So the role of the manager is almost becoming the information facilitator isn't it? It is. And being minded enough to know which person to call upon to Correct. bring in that expert advice Correct. to the committee. Yes. So our network of suppliers or contractors is obviously extensive mm-hmm. and over time we build up a certain relationship with the various um, contractors and we rely on them working very much as a team with us so that if something urgent does crop up, we know we can rely mm. on them to act quickly and yeah. provide that great support. And it's almost a tip and trick for a new manager to establish those relationships yes. and know who to go to. It might be a lawyer, an engineer, a plumbing contractor mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. expert in those particular areas. Yes. Time and time again, we hear unit owners or committee members say, oh, well, I was speaking to Joe Bloggs, a certain insurance broker, and he's given information about whatever. And when you delve a little bit deeper, you find out that this insurance broker really doesn't understand Mm. strata title buildings at all, has had no experience. And even the same with lawyers. If an owner speaks to their lawyer and the lawyer is fairly quick in giving advice, it's not always right. Unless they are working within the industry, it is a very specialised industry. And you really do need to know who to go to, who really is experienced and has that 
real level of expertise. And of course things like maintenance obligations can flip based on the the registered plan and it's something that uh, perhaps not all lawyers are aware of Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, body corporate managers need to be right on top of it and be Mm. able to qualify that Mm. advice um, Mm. whilst not necessarily giving the legal advice and that's a fine edge isn't it? It is a fine edge. Well even say for example with plumbers we rely very much on a plumber giving a detailed report as to where a particular pipe that maybe mm. has burst is located. Is it in a boundary wall or mm. a concrete slab? Is it in a building riser? And so on. So the exact location of utility infrastructure can certainly determine whether it's a body corporate responsibility or a unit owner responsibility. Mm. This is a case of we're relying very much on the experts to provide a very detailed report Mm. so that we can then say, right, because it is located on the lot boundary, it's a body corporate issue. And of course, cost follows that determination, doesn't it? And and that can be quite a big motivator for dispute down the track. Definitely. A lot of unit owners misunderstand the complexities of the responsibility of the body corporate. And initially, quite a few lot owners will think, oh, well, the body corporate will will pay for this invoice. Mm, It's a body corporate cost. And that's when, you know, we have to educate them and explain why it isn't a body corporate cost. And we rely very much on resources from the commissioner's office and other resources, including our own. Over time, we've produce fact sheets and diagrams and so on to all assist. And of course, um, diagrams help a lot. Interpreting those sometimes requires the technicality of the knowledge of the legislation, but uh, certainly it's a difficult challenge to deal with the way that people take up information, isn't it? Uh, oh, because definitely. there's different generations. Mm. You've got technology, you've got so much information mm. out there and the legislation's so luminous. It is, it is. How do you manage that uh, you know, complexity of the collide of information that's mm. out there and, mm-hmm. and uh, funnel it into the right channel mm. for the person. I guess given my past history in education as an ex-science teacher, very focused on education, and we have initiated committee training or, or induction sessions straight after an annual general meeting when the new committee first meets, whereby we sit down with the new committee members and we go through the basics, understanding maintenance responsibilities, what the body corporate insurance policy covers versus contents policy, things like committee spending limit, major spending limits and so on. So we actually give them some summary sheets that they can refer to Mm. on a daily basis but particularly at committee meetings or when they need to make a decision so that they know what their limitations are and what their authority is. What about education for body corporate managers themselves? Mm -hmm. Because as you're aware there's really no clear pathway from tertiary institutions or from school for that matter. What does one do about trying to educate someone straight into the industry Mm -hmm. to get that knowledge and it's quite a broad knowledge they need Mm. and detailed knowledge. What does one do about that? That's a really good question. As you say unfortunately the current course availabilities specialising in body corporate management are very limited and at the moment there's only a certificate for in body corporate management 
ideally we need to be moving to a degree course at the absolute minimum and then even you know a master's but at the moment I think the best way for a junior body corporate manager is on hands experience mm. and having a really good mentor in the office working alongside them. But obviously they do need that extra um, legislative backing. As I say at the moment, there's just the Cert 4, which is quite incredible really mm. when you think about the responsibilities a body corporate manager has. Yeah and the funds um, and assets, you know, that we're responsible for. They can be quite huge, can't they? Huge. Now, in terms of your background, um, you you said you've got some teaching background. How did you fall into Strata? My father had a portfolio of investment properties, and when I was still teaching, he um, wasn't able to go along to one of the the meetings, so he um, asked me if I'd go along as his proxy. Mm. So that's what happened, and I was sitting in the meeting thinking, hmm, I think this sounds quite interesting. So, yeah, that's, that's how I initially became involved, and because I did want to find out more, I joined a company in Sydney as their meeting convener and I work for them after teaching all day I'd drive into their office I'd be briefed up on the relevant meeting and off I'd go and um, yeah so I'd convene their meetings hold their meetings for them take the minutes and then bring them the minutes back to them so um, yes right I guess to that extent, meetings and minutes has always been a part of body corporate management. Mm. But nowadays, there's, I guess in Queensland, we're dealing with very highly prescriptive legislation. Mm. In terms of gaining that legislative backing, it's quite difficult for a new body corporate mm. manager to just acquire that knowledge yes. in a short period of time. Yes. And of course, you've got the not just the legislation, but you've got cases that Correct. explain Correct. the legislation. Yes. yes. Um, where do you see body corporate management heading towards say in the future uh, in dealing with those complexities and threshold levels Mm. for a manager? I think we're going to see more and more of a split of roles. I think the true administration that is looking after the books and records and handling the basic, carrying out the basic duties of arranging meetings, banking, producing financial statements and, and so on. That will be, as I say, straight administration But then I think we're going to see the higher levels of body corporate consulting, whereby those consultants are going to be expected to have the higher levels of expertise in terms of education and training. One other area where training can take place is, of course, the Commissioner's website, the online training package. And also through the SCA, the Association for Community Schemes. So they offer introductory courses and the basic level courses. Then from time to time, they do offer higher level courses, but not to the degree, I think, that should be offered on a more regular basis. And I guess that's the the challenge for the industry, isn't it? It To develop that information in a particular package as a product almost for 
manages to come in and take that and run with that knowledge. So for those listening that might be even considering a career in body corporate management Mm -hmm. uh, as a body corporate manager or even as an admin Mm. uh, person, what would your advice be to them entering that particular career path? I think the first port of call is the SCA. As I've said, they do offer introductory courses and basic courses. And I think that would give anyone who is interested a bit of an overview of what's involved. The Commissioner's website, once again, is also worthwhile with the online training. Then, of course, there are other associations. Um, If, for example, someone is even interested in becoming a building manager, they could contact ARAMA, Building Managers Association, And they also offer introductory courses, good overviews of what's involved in the industry. And it seems to me that the industry moving forwards is perhaps uh, yearning this collaboration of all these different Mm. stakeholders. I'm very passionate about this industry. I think it's extremely dynamic. It has lots and lots of potential. And of course, with land shortage and with government, you know, focuses on higher density living, it's very exciting. However, one of the negatives is there has never been a really good interaction and mingling of the different stakeholders. Mm. We've never had one organisation that consists of the whole range of the contractors, the building managers, the body corporate managers. And I think that is to the detriment of Mm. the industry because just through interaction, communication, talking, expressing problems, issues, different cases, you learn so much, particularly from a different perspective. So that is certainly something I'd love to see. And there have been movements, so hopefully that Mm. will eventually get off the ground. Mm. And do you see government being instrumental in bringing those stakeholders together, perhaps? I think if the initial energy or the initiation was uh, taken by the stakeholders, I do think uh, government would be willing in partaking. I think due to government resources and so on, it may take a major event or something to happen in the industry to really highlight to government that we do need more focus on this industry. We have so many people living in schemes, so many assets involved, invested, and yet our industry seems to be very much in the shadows. And unregulated. And unregulated. So Joe blogs down the street who has no qualifications, doesn't have any experience related to the strata or body corporate industry, can set himself up as a body corporate manager here in Queensland, which Mm. is just mind-boggling. It's a scary prospect. It's very scary. So what we're really looking at then is some form of registration, licensing regime for managers, isn't it? Yes. I think self-regulation is probably the best option where we have audits, some sort of auditing program within the industry because being such a specialised industry, we do need people who are already involved in the industry know what to mm. look for and so on, just so that we can... Um, and also it would enable us to get some concrete feedback, statistics on how different managers are coping. From what I'm hearing, body corporate management is tougher than ever. As I say, the pressure, the expectations have all built up. Our fees and and the 
haven't really changed much since 1992, which Mm. once again is pretty mind-boggling. And I think that comes back to the fact that we're not licensed or we're not seen to be true professionals due to the lack of some basic form of of education, having those qualifications. And of course, New South Wales has taken the licensing regime forwards and uh, with the Office of Fair Trading, Mm, they're required to be licensed, much Mm -hmm. like a real estate agent Mm. down there. So there are models out there that could be followed Yes, there are. However, just having a licence, there's licensing and different forms of regulation. So I think the key has to be ongoing education and professional development because as it stands now, I could be a body corporate manager and just work every day with my head in the sand Mm. and not getting any form of professional development so it is pretty scary it really is and of course some um, as you pointed out earlier that the schemes are becoming more complex mm. issues that managers are dealing with are becoming more legal more risky if you like definitely we um there's no doubt about it um well just to give you an example recently a body corporate was sued for a fire safety breach because it hadn't reacted quickly enough to some fire safety breaches and as a result of that it was fined $30,000. Of course the question's going to be well who is ultimately responsible and of course whenever you have different parties they're going to want working together Mm. as a team So if there's a building manager, body corporate manager, committee, unit owners, no doubt the finger pointing will be going in all different Mm. directions. So that is something we're always very mindful of as a body corporate manager. We could throw our hands up and say, oh, well, it's not our responsibility. But there again, if we are handling various reports and fire breaches actually loading them up onto the body corporate website what are we sort of doing about it are we just going to close our eyes and file it away or are we going to be saying hey guys you have to act like Mm. you can't ignore this what happens though when the manager's done all they can do and you've got say a body corporate committee that isn't providing them with instructions Mm -hmm. Uh, manager can't unilaterally Mm. go off and do things but where the committee is not providing those necessary instructions Mm. where do you draw the line there in Mm. terms of the responsibility? Well, we have a policy in our office, put everything in writing. So if it came to our attention that there was a a breach, let's say a fire safety breach, we would put our concerns in writing with our suggestions on what should be done, even if it just involves, look, you need to get in touch with your fire service provider and let them know about this breach notice. It can be as simple as that, but It's encouraging the committees and giving the committees that information, that tool in order to move forward. Some committee members may not really understand that this is serious and at the end of the day, lives could be lost. Mm. There could be severe consequences if they don't act. And then pushing the envelope further, what happens when the body corporate manager's done all of that and still the committee doesn't act? 
Well, there again, we would liaise closely with the building manager. We would also liaise very closely with the chairman and or secretary. And we'd have a very honest and open discussion Mm. as to why isn't something being done. Ultimately, it could be referred to the commissioner's office for an order, for an adjudicator to make an order if it was that serious. But for a manager to go down that avenue, we would have to feel that all of our possible efforts weren't getting anywhere and that um, someone was just not listening. Is termination of management an option perhaps in those cases? It certainly is, Mm. absolutely. As a matter of fact, last year we terminated our contract. It was coming up for terminate. The actual agreement itself was coming up to the termination date. This particular committee, was um, a committee for a commercial complex but it was part of a large building so Mm -hmm. there were 255 residential apartments above the commercial lots so we were very very concerned about this particular committee's lack of action and focusing on the small stuff rather than the significant issues and we made that decision they were high risk and we weren't prepared to be a part of it. So that's exactly what we did. We, mm. we gave our notice and said that we did not wish to submit a new contract. Those are difficult decisions because, uh, you know, obviously you're dealing with a committee that might not expect that outcome and uh, you're left with the only avenue to manage your own risk. Yes, that's exactly right. We'd had issues with there'd been a, a transfer of building managers and despite all of our attempts in trying to educate the committee as to the importance of that transfer, it was an extremely difficult transfer and at one stage it looked as though it was all going to fall over because the committee just weren't acting and so on. So yes, there definitely comes a point in time when we say, no, this this body corporate is too high a risk for us. Now, in terms of some of the issues you find on a daily basis, I can think of a number of issues such as debt recovery. Mm. What are some of the things you find in managing that process? Because you're right on that knife edge of Mm. of legal Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. body corporate management. Mm. Um, How do you grapple with that? From experience, we have found that as soon as we identify a bad payer, we're best to communicate to that owner and highlight the levy arrears policy that has been put in place and and just to really highlight the fact that the committee is going to stick rigidly to that policy Mm. and that if they do have any payment issues they need to communicate to the committee. Most committees are very reasonable if the unit owner is experiencing economic hardship they be upfront about it um, as hard as that may be but um, if they put their situation in writing by email and it's kept confidential of Mm. course I guess that's always a bit of a worry for unit owners they don't want their private details going out to the community as a whole but yes so just to communicate to them look please keep your communication avenue open between yourself and the committee and that um, if you spell 
spell out exactly what issues you're having. The committee may be able to give you some leniency over a, a few months, but obviously that can't continue forever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if those arrears keep on building up, we really have to highlight to the owner, look, this is just your debts are accumulating. Most of our schemes have a 20% interest penalty applying, which is significant if there are discounts also for early payment Mm. that, you know, and they're losing the discount, really don't want a situation going legal because that's when the costs are really going to start spiralling. And all too often you'll get that lot owner that puts their head in the sand and does not communicate and and then the matter must go to debt recovery, doesn't it? Yes, correct, after two years, yes, absolutely. We don't have a choice then. And that is something we definitely highlight that um, after those two years, we don't have a choice. It'll have to go hard on. And of course, we've had that recent decision that has confirmed that uh, limitation period as aside from the limitation of actions, uh, limitation period of six years, it truly is Yes. It's two years, then you can start action in two months from there. One of the issues there, of course, is the significant effects of debt recovery that follow down the track, Mm -hmm. you know, sale of property. Mm. But then again, you've got the body corporate having to act reasonably in in payment plans and things like that. It's quite a juxtaposition of scenarios Mm -hmm. where you've got reasonableness, then you've got this very hard uh, Mm. outcome that Mm -hmm. can occur. At what point do you say, well, body corporate has acted reasonably, it must prove proceed down that path? Well, this is where record keeping is paramount. So all pieces of communication, whether it was by letter or email, definitely need to be kept. And the committee at the end of the day can be seen to be compassionate and understanding. But at the same time, as I say, we still need to highlight those deadlines. Yes, we can be compassionate, we can be understanding, but the legislation, definitely, there's no bending. And that's an important thing for managers, isn't it? Because once you've clicked over those two years, you lose the ability to raise that cause of action. And and then who then is responsible for those shortfalls, those levies? Now, in terms of best practice in managing that process, there comes a point where you've got to engage a lawyer. What would you say is best practice in managing that particular process of transitioning from where you leave off as manager Mm. to where you hand the ball over to Mm. a debt recovery lawyer? Well, as soon as the lawyer becomes involved or is appointed, we then do a a big back step. It's then all up to the lawyer and the lot owner. But there again, we're still kept in the loop Mm. with any developments, any payment plans or whatever. And there again, it's up to us to keep good comprehensive files Mm. on all of that communication. Just make sure that um, everything is documented. What are some of the trends you're seeing now? There's new concepts that are starting to impinge on body corporates now. We've talked about that short-term letting aspect, Airbnb, uh, Airbnb. we've got Mm -hmm. pet issues, which to some extent are solidified in some ways. Mm. uh, You can't blanket uh, prohibits. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you're finding in your practice that are starting to hit home on, on lot owners? I think 
one of the biggest issues that we are having difficulties dealing with is the short term, particularly Airbnb and the possible consequences of that and the impact it can have on the body corporate. We recently had an incident with um, one of the high rise, the CBD, Brisbane CBD high rise buildings, where the visitor was um, obviously had a drug problem and um, his behaviour was just unbelievable mm. throwing objects and whatnot off the balcony and so on and just trying to deal with that by not having a registered letting agent available when we did track down the unit owner's son mm. who was looking after that airbnb he's total disregard for bylaws for the community safety and so on was just amazing so um and that really did have an impact on the whole community because they were concerned about this particular individual but we really didn't have too much to sort of draw on apart from the police and of course that kind of activity is very much a commercial activity and very difficult to manage the nuisance levels of mm. the different types of occupants mm -hmm. and mm. the lack of control that a manager will have. Yes, that was the thing. It was that lack of control that really scared us because we were very fearful of either a death or, or something really significant happening. So we were very mindful of trying to do as much as we could and documenting it all. Yeah, absolutely. Your point about documenting is key. And, well, we take it for granted in the legal sphere, but body corporate managers traditionally have a lot of paperwork to mm -hmm. deal with. But it can be difficult to know, OK, well, at what point do I need to file note this in mm -hmm. detail, not only for the body corporate's benefit, but mm. also as a risk mitigation Correct. measure for the manager. And this is where we rely very much on a team approach between the committee, the building manager. In this particular case I'm talking, I'm referring to, the building manager and I were in communication constantly over a period of a week and he was doing up incident reports, then we were communicating with the insurance broker, police. So there was quite an extensive network mm. of, um, of individuals working together trying to uh, minimise the possible horrible outcome. And this highlights the importance of proper training because as lawyers you'll do a subject called ethics, you'll do practice and procedure type courses but mm. um, for a manager there's a big void. There really is and when you're talking about lots of residents' lives, millions of dollars in terms of the value of a building, it's high stake issues and responsibility that we're talking about and yet you're right we mm. don't have anything formal to rely on. Mm. A lot of it is with us liaising closely with lawyers with insurance brokers and talking about the problems and learning through hands-on experience but that can be pretty dangerous if you're not talking to the right lawyer if you're inexperienced so that's where the alarm bells really need yeah. to be also a difficult thing to know when is it advice on the legislation or mm -hmm. information about legislation mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. legal advice correct 
And Correct. I'm sure there's anecdotal evidence out there uh, mm. of body corporate managers actually giving legal advice. Gosh, yes, I'm, I'm sure there is. And this is where, once again, unit owners' expectations really need to be drummed out because we're not there to give legal advice. And body corporate managers definitely need to know their limitations even in terms of giving insurance advice you know swimming pool safety advice they're not our areas of expertise Mm. so it's absolutely critical that a body corporate manager knows when we're dealing with so many areas of compliance we really do need to know where to draw the line and one of the complexities again about bodies corporates is that it's a community isn't it it is yes and so often you're dealing with community type issues which can be personal issues. How do you deal with those types of disputes where in fact it's it might be cutting across an area of nuisance but then it's more of a Mm. personal dispute Mm. and what do you do there? Look it can be really tricky. Yeah. Common sense really comes in to a lot of the disputes and I guess that's where having a body corporate manager who is mature has had a variety of life experiences nothing really surprises or alarms them they can keep a cool head and make a very collected comment and you know give a very level-headed advice so yes not being able to be rattled easily and just trying to focus on the black and white, what is considered to be acceptable, reasonable, and refer to the bylaws. And yeah. is it in breach of the bylaws? Well, that makes it very black and white. If it is something like the example I've just given, that's where being reasonable and using common sense really comes in yeah. into play. It perhaps helps on the need for managers also to acquire some soft skills like negotiations, mediation, mediation and those life experiences to be able to handle pressure mm. and difficult mm. situations mm. is some might say more suited to the more mature practitioner but Mm. uh, those skills can be acquired can't they oh look they can and i think as you say the more skills someone can be given by doing various courses for example mediation anyone can do a course in mediation Mm. you don't it's not limited just to body corporate managers obviously Mm. but uh, mediation is a really worthwhile tool so courses like that can certainly be beneficial and really help to enhance a body corporate manager's confidence. If you're feeling confident that you've got the necessary, you know, skills backing you up, that can certainly make a difference. Almost like um, having a toolbox of skills, isn't it? Yes, it it is. You draw upon your legislative skills, Mm -hmm. your mediation, negotiation Mm. skills, and Mm. then of course your your ability to know when to refer and interact with lawyers. It's Mm. quite a big set. And even building knowledge. What is a um, a particular piece of building, you know, the Mm. building facade, Mm. eaves, and so on. Often we'll have to jump in and talk to a builder. And um, so there again, through experience, through visitations, actually Mm. going out on site and looking, we had a case where where a wall had um, a very bad crack in it and the engineer was required to go out on site and inspect it. So actually, you know, having a look at it through discussions with the Mm. experts, just by talking to engineers, lawyers and so on, you're picking up knowledge and experience all the time, which is obviously going to add 
to your level of expertise. Mm. And of course, financial management's a big oh, part that's of the body a, corporate management that, role, isn't it? That's a, another, yes, whole issue. Out of all of the things we do have to deal with, money is paramount and having all of the body corporate's finances properly accounted for is absolutely key and being able to provide accurate financial statements and so on that's really a minimal expectation mm. that's it's a fundamental expectation for us absolutely and for a new manager or even perhaps someone in an admin role thinking mm. of stepping into corporate manager mm -hmm, role mm -hmm. it's a big leap forwards to be able to then interpret and advise on the financial yes. statements at a meeting for example and that happens often we we can be at a meeting whether it's a general or a committee meeting and we may be asked to explain an accrual or an arrears and uh, when you're put on the spot like that in front of a room full of people you have to come up with the goods otherwise as soon as the committee or the owners lose confidence that's the last thing you need and that's the key isn't it having the confidence to be able to yes often manage an asteroid field of yes. questions on yes. a variety of issues so how do you gain that confidence i honestly think it's a combination of all of the things we've talked about mm. skills education experience and i think they're probably the three main things and time like over time and through that experience that is something that flows on it all is character building confidence building i guess to wrap up what would your tips be for someone listening now perhaps thinking about going into body corporate management mm -hmm. some tips that you'd give them to enter that field i think the starting point would be to do an introductory course through the SCA and from that there will be flow-ons in terms of further courses or perhaps other courses in other avenues like for example the Commissioner's website, Institute or TAFE in terms of a financial management course or, or so on. So just getting those fundamental areas, an understanding of those fundamental areas, even meeting, meeting procedures, just getting exposure and basic understanding of what is required in as a body corporate manager. Perhaps attend a meeting and uh, you know yes. listen to a good manager deliver it. Well, even approaching a body corporate management company and seeing if they would be prepared to take you on as a junior or as an admin assistant. A lot of uh, employees start at the bottom, so to speak, mm -hmm. doing those basic jobs, but um, they can clearly offer a very good understanding mm. in terms of the functionings of a manager's office and the different areas we're dealing with. So all in all, what I'm hearing is a complex role with a lot of different skills that mm -hmm. need to be acquired. Coralie Mott, it's been an absolute pleasure having you mm. on board for the Let's Talk uh, Strata podcast. Uh, Thank we've you, gained a great insight into mm. some of the critical issues that body corporate managers have to grapple with and also some of the exciting things ahead. Mm. There's only mm. one way the industry can go. And that's forward and up because I do think eventually there will be pressure for some form of regulation and ongoing education and mm. minimal educational standards. 
Definitely. Mm. It's been a pleasure, Coralie Thank you, Mark. Mott, uh, Th- thank you thank again. Thank you for having me along. Thank, thank you, Mark. That's it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Let's Talk Strata podcast. For your fortnightly dose of Strata insights, stimulating discussion with leading Strata professionals, and to catch up on previous episodes, subscribe to the podcast through letstalkstrata.com.au.